Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by teaching pastor Clayton Keenan and executive pastor Eric Ferris. We're about to jump into another Old Testament passage from the book of Numbers, and Clayton is going to tell us what we're talking about. Yeah, we're going to be talking about a passage in Numbers, but I, I want to actually go back to last week's passage because we had a conversation about Moses, who was supposed to speak to a rock to get water to come out of it. And Eric, he actually asked the question. He, he asked Nikki and me what we would say to a rock to get water to come out of it, and we both did it. And Eric couldn't think of anything at the time, but he said he, he promised that he would tell us what he would say to a rock. And so, Eric, mm. I, I want to know, have you come up with anything? Mm. I said I might be able to, by the end of the <laughs> podcast, come up with something, and I didn't. But between that episode and this episode, our producer came up with an amazing thing to say to The Rock. And so on her behalf, here it is. Knock, knock. Who's there? Water. Water Water who? What are you still doing in that rock? (sighs) Yeah, see? There you go. I'm sorry I asked. All right. Well, here's the passage we're looking at today. Uh, Let me give you a little context. Um... This is sort of the end of a progression in the book of Numbers. So if you've been reading through, you've been listening with us, uh, Numbers is a story of the people of God complaining and grumbling and rebelling again and again and again. And this is the last story in this chain of rebellions. And so we're going to look at that, and it is in Numbers 21, starting in verse 4. Oh, and I do want to note here, normally I'm the guy who gives like 25, 30 verses to Eric. We're just going to read five verses today. I feel Congratulations, so, Eric. I feel so good about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really long sound effect, but that expresses the joy in my soul right now. Numbers chapter 21, verse 4, they traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole that when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. All right. So that's a weird passage. Let's just be honest. It's a little bit weird. So we're going to talk about this. Let's start with the O in comma, which is observations. And let's see what uh, each of you see in this passage. Okay, so I think it's it's a little funny. In the last episode, we were talking about how we see Moses' frustration coming out and him hitting the rock, and it's almost as if we see God's frustration coming out and him sending venomous snakes to bite the people. Yeah. <laughs> it is It is one of those illustrations of uh, what we talked about, you know, yeah. like judgment is in God's hands, That's you right. know, and he so he decided to, to do that. Yeah, but the, the snakes, you, I kind of didn't see that coming, you know what I mean? All the way along. We got we I, I, we haven't really talked. Uh, we haven't had snakes show up in the story, but here no. here they are. Do you uh, like snakes? 
Um, well, you know, I don't know if I like snakes, but I, uh, I had a lot of snakes around in my house growing up. Uh, I, uh, I had a, a sister who, uh, she took care of reptiles. And so our entire basement was filled with pythons. So we had six, seven pythons. Unbelievable. Uh, And so she would, she had like, (laughs) and, and she had like an iguana and turtles. And and turtles. So she was a a reptile specialist. And so like even today, when we get, you know, bugs for our little, you know, gecko that we have at home, we go to her and she, she breeds the bugs and we get the bugs from her and feed it. But she's got, you know, a whole house full of, you know, creepy, crawly, slithery things. (laughs) So... So when you were growing up, your whole basement was like a reptile zoo. Well, for part of my growing up, yeah. She would go to she would go to like kids' birthday parties and like show them off and explain the snakes and stuff. Like she had rare breeds, like a you know, albino python and stuff like that. Your family is amazing. It was it was weird. We it was continue weird. to learn more <laughs> we, and more. We had a guinea pig once, a few cool cats. <laughs> I had, a do- I had some lizards a, and some turtles growing up. Didn't have a reptile zoo going on in my basement. So, like, did you guys invite your friends over a lot to, like, come uh, to the reptiles? Well, certain friends didn't want to go in the basement. And, uh, oh, that's would, understandable. and certain family members also. I would be one of those friends. So, yeah. Did oh, you ever charge admission for your friends to go into the basement? <laughs> no, but that's a great idea. That would have been, mm. been good. And to this day, there's bug breeding going on. Yeah, well, not, not, it wasn't in our house at the time, but in her house now, yeah. Okay, well, here's an observation that I have from Numbers chapter 21. There is no bread. There is no water. Uh, There is no bread. Yes, there is. There is no water. Yes, there is. God has been providing it all along the way. And we detest this miserable food. Um, That is complaining at its best. And it is so exaggerated. There's no bread. There's no water. Uh, Yeah, there is. You just don't like it like this. This is this is classic complaining. I don't like it this way. Meet my needs. Honor my preferences. This is so human complaining. It's true. Uh, the word the weird thing at the end when uh, they they make a, a bronze sma- sna- snake a bronze snake <laughs> a bronze snake for the people to look at after they've been bitten so that they can live. That's weird. Yeah. What do you what do you guys make of that? You know, is that like one of those like weird like magical mystical type things or yeah what's what, what what do you guys think what do we think about the yeah the, the solution is a snake on a pole and it it's like well l- look at this thing and you're cured it you know is it a magical thing is it a you know what's the what's the idea behind this i don't know what the idea is behind it but there is so all these times where you, you you come across these things in the Bible and you wonder, what in the world is going on with that? It does seem... We've had a few of these conversations in past episodes. Yep. Was this some kind of magical potion? Was this some kind of magic trick? Was Is this sorcery? Is it? And I always just, in my mind, when I read these kinds of texts, say, I don't fully understand why the Lord would do it that way. But God can do whatever he wants to do. Like, so if God wants to say, I'm going to bring healing to you and I'm going to bring it by speaking a word, or I'm going to bring healing to you. I remember when Jesus like spits in the dirt and rubs (laughs) mud and puts it on the person's Mm -hmm. eyes, right? God can do whatever God wants to do. And so if God wants to get the people's attention by sending venomous snakes into the camp 
and then providing a way for them to be healed by saying, just look at this thing. All of, all of that always requires trust and obedience, right? Whether or not we understand why God is doing it that way or why he's asking us to do things a certain way, it always comes down to trust and obedience. I don't think it's magic. I don't think it's sorcery. He could have done anything. He yeah. could have said, stand on one foot, touch your nose, and I'll bring healing. And then the people would have to choose, am I going to trust and obey and stand on one foot and touch my nose or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do think that um, when, the, when the people come to Moses, the fact that they come and say, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you, you know, pray that, pray that God will take away the snakes. You, you can already tell it's not in the, the realm of uh, magic, you know, manipulation of things. It's in the realm of we've, we've wronged God in the relationship that we have with him, and we're acknowledging that this grumbling and complaining was sinful. So it's, you know, that you might get hung up on the mechanism of how the healing comes up, but at the heart of what is going on is a relational thing of them saying, you, you've provided for us, we complained about it, that right. was wrong to do, we're repenting, we're sorry for that. Yeah, and he provides. And he provides. He provides, yep. Uh, another observation is that they say, pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. God did not take the snakes away. If you look at it, and when everyone, anyone was bitten by a snake, if you're bitten by a snake, the snakes are still there. So God does not give them exactly what they ask mm. for. He gives them a way to be healed when they are bitten by the snake. And that's just, a, that's just an, an observation that it is, not, it is not always the case that what we pray for is what God gives us because God knows the better way and he knows what he's doing. And so sometimes God's kindness to us is he does not give us exactly what we ask for. I was thinking about the, the snake pole thing, the you know, little statue of a snake, and, and thinking about why God would choose that particular thing to look at. You know? So if the snakes that came into the camp are a sign of God's judgment, this is, this is the, this is the you know, tool for God to judge them, and then he makes the symbol the same thing that he used to judge them, it feels like a very like deliberate connection. Like he could have come up with something else for them to look at, but he said, "No, the thing that was punishing you is the thing you're going to look at." And I I feel like there is something in that to saying you've got to acknowledge the fact that this is what you deserve. You know that that this was this was not just a kind of random trouble that came into your life in this instance. You know, so there are times when we you know, it's just a circumstance. It's not, it has nothing to do with our behavior. Things come into our life. But in this particular instance, they're looking at the consequences of their behavior and having to you know, stare them in the eye to yeah. say, this is, this is really where my sin led. And I, I, think, that's a, I think that's a principle in uh, repentance, you know, where you say, I can't just say, God, you know, fix the circumstances, the mess that I made. I've got to actually look and say, this is, this is the reality of my sin and what it costs and where it leads. On top of that, and circling back to the reality that in numbers we see an awful lot of grumbling and complaining, which at its root is based in a lack of trust in God. Fear sets in, which then causes grumbling and complaining. The people were angry with God, therefore by inference they were mad at Moses, not trusting Moses. Um, Have you ever experienced a 14-month run in your life? that has better paralleled this than COVID. The amount of people who are grumbling and complaining and angry and fearful 
And if you ask yourself the question, why am I angry and grumbling and complaining and fearful? What is at the root of all of that? If it's not a lack of trust that God is still in control and God is still good and God's kingdom is still moving forward, right? There, we, we lose our focus on those things and then we look at our immediate circumstance and that creates all of this, this junk. Um, man, it feels like we've been living in numbers for like yeah. the last 14 months. Seriously. Mm. Seriously. Uh, this, uh, this story is a, in some ways an obscure story. You know, it's, it's just a few verses and it's you know, buried in the mix of other things. But it's one that jumps out to me because there is a place where Jesus actually talks about this story. And it's actually in the most famous passage in the Bible. Which is, which is weird. Uh, so John 3.16, you know, God so loved the world, gave his one and only son, that whole deal. The verse before that is Jesus actually saying this, okay? So this is, this is verse uh, John 3.15 or 14 and 15. It says this, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man, and that's Jesus' name for himself, the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So Jesus is making a connection to this story saying, I'm like the bronze snake. I'm the snake statue that I'm going to be lifted up. And that's kind of him pointing to the cross. Like he's going to be lifted up, literally elevated. And anybody who believes in me is going to find life, just like anybody who looked at this snake will find life. And I, I think that's a, a really, a really fascinating connection that Jesus would make. Um, and I do think about the even the symbolism of the cross. You know, the, the cross is punishment. It's the place where sin is condemned. It's the place where you see this is where our rebellion leads to. And that symbol of death and judgment, Jesus transforms into the thing you look at to find life. It's, it's a really... I, I probably would have uh, not thought much about this number story ever if it wasn't for Jesus calling attention to it. Dang, that's good. Can we just end the episode right now? Like, we can't drop our mics because they're on they're on these uh, these arms that don't let us drop them. But that is a that is a drop the mic moment if ever there was one in a podcast. Well, why don't we why don't we go to meditation then? No, it's done. Oh, you want to we, no, <laughs> we just dropped the mic. Did you hear that whine? No, no it's no. done. Okay, I, I feel like anything we say. Now, going forward in this podcast, we're going to ruin that moment. But okay. All right. If you want to keep going, let's keep going. All right. So the next M in comma is meditation. And uh, rather than picking a line from the numbers passage, I actually want to use that John 3's passage because Jesus kind of um, takes what Moses said, uh, or the Lord said, you know, make the snake. Anybody who looks at the snake will live. And Jesus says, here's what this means in terms of me. So uh, John 3.15 says, everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So I want us to take 45 seconds, prayerful contemplation of that line. Everyone who believes may have eternal life in Jesus.
All right. Let's do the next M in comma, which is message. What message do you guys draw from this? I'm trying to go with the positive message instead of the negative, but they're the same side, two different sides of the same coin. You see a lot of grumbling and complaining. They recognize that this is sin against God, uh, sin against Moses as God's leader. Um, and so I could say the message is don't do that, <laughs> right? But that doesn't feel adequate based on the fact that God brings both judgment and healing at the same time into that situation. So there is this beautiful intersection of God speaking into our lives, intersecting our lives, and judging that which is sinful, and at the same time offering a way for us to be healed, which then when you jump to John uh, 3, 15, uh, that is, that is the, the, the culmination of God doing that perfectly for everyone. Yeah, I, I, I wrote down here that God provides difficult things to get our attention sometimes. And then he also provides a way out of those difficult things if, uh, if we're willing to see them and to, to trust in him. For uh, a message, I, I wrote down, um, God transforms the symbol of judgment into a symbol of grace. So I, you know, I'm thinking about the, the snake becoming the, the you know, bronze snake. I'm thinking about the cross, that sort of thing, that the, the, this idea of the thing we look to that would have been our death, we look at it, and because of Jesus, not, not because of us, not because of some trick, but because Jesus himself said, I'm going to enter in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer the death, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this, the venom, you know, and, and die, that what would have been our doom becomes our hope. I mean, it seems, it seems trite to be like, hey, we all wear crosses and, you know, you put these symbols around, but there is something that we so profound that we miss. When you walk into a church or you see on someone's wall this instrument of torture and death, that's where we should have been hanging, but you realize God actually transformed that into the way that he gave us life, is really, like, it's, it's breathtaking. It's not what you do. If you're like, what would, what would God do? It's like ahead of time, you wouldn't predict that he'd take that place of judgment and turn it into the place of life. So I, I just, that's a cool thought to me. Let's go to A, A and comma, application. How do we respond to this? I would say confession. The people said, we have sinned against God mm. and sinned against Moses. And after that confession, God provides the way of healing. And so to live a life of quick acknowledgement and confession of my, my own rebellion, my own sin, so that I can look to the cross of Jesus and receive the grace and healing. Yeah, I was going to say uh, just being mindful to pray um, and then keeping your eye open for, for God's provision and along, line, along those lines. Might not be exactly, exactly according to what you prayed, but he's, he's going to answer it. Yeah, I think definitely resonate with the, the confession side of things to take an honest look and say, all right, this is, this is where my own you know, sin and rebellion would lead and owning up to that before God, saying, if it weren't for the cross, this is, where I, this is what, what I'd be headed for and this is what I deserve and, and confessing, honestly. 
Well, that's some good stuff, guys. Um, all right, friends, that's all that we have for you. Uh, we hope that you will join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Blend. And in the meantime, if you're not following along, you can uh, check out BibleSavvy.com to download the reading schedule and to start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. And if you're a Twitter fan, you can find us as well on there for additional Bible Savvy insights. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.